You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of the Flagship Podcast, July 4th week. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7. She's a five-tool player, problem solver. Well, basically, she keeps us on the rails at Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, happy 4th of July week to you. Happy 4th of July week to you, too. And, man, that's a big that's a big task right now to keep us all on the rails at Horns 24-7 because I think people are going crazy after the month of June ended up being, you know, like 800 days, not the 30 that we're normally used to. So I appreciate that. But <laughs> Well, and quick, um, quick disclaimer. Um, this is going to be a pure football podcast. So yeah, <laughs> nothing but football. If there's anything else you want for an update, we will have it over at Horns 24-7. Don't you worry. But today, it's just all about football. So we're talking the 2020 season, what to expect, because by God, we are trying to manifest and will this college football season into existence. And we are doing that today with your help as we talk only about football. You good with that, Taylor Estes? I am beyond good with that, Chip. I got to be honest. I mean... You know, I know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, but I'm tired of talking about it. Let's just get to football. It's July. The team's going to be checking back in for, you know, fall camp early this year uh, with the NCAA approving a six-week fall camp period. We're only a few weeks out from that. So right. we're talking football, and I'm 100% okay with that. And I definitely hope our um, listeners – and our viewers over on the Horns twenty or over on the twenty four seven Sports YouTube channel are also okay with that. Um, I think that they will be though, because uh, football needs to be in the air. The month is here. Let's let's do this for sure. That's right. And as Taylor mentioned, uh, get over and subscribe to us on the twenty four seven Sports YouTube channel, so that you're getting um, the option of watching us on video, uh, and of course get over to iTunes and, uh, you know, give us a five-star rating and uh, make our bosses really happy this 4th of July, or at least happy with us. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to suck up and do whatever we need to do to, to keep the bosses happy. But, um, yeah, uh, and I think we have more reviews that people are writing in. We appreciate you so much. And, um and Taylor, we'll, we'll have uh, Tim Crowder, member of the 2005 Texas National Championship team. And more importantly, he's, after his NFL career with the Denver Broncos and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's become um, a go-to trainer for, for Longhorns players. Um, I mean, from Derek Johnson, while Derek was in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders, primarily the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I mean, he's training Alex Okafer, now a member of the current uh, Super Bowl 54 champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he's trained Joseph Osai, Charles Amenahu, and 
incoming freshman Alfred Collins in, and we will ask him about all of those guys and about the Texas defense. He is a breath of fresh air, uh, the one and only TC, pride of Tyler, Texas. I call him the pride of East Texas. And um, I think everyone's going to enjoy talking to Tim Crowder. I know I always enjoy talking to TC. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, if anybody knows how to put together a stout defensive line play, it's him, you know, being a part of that 2005 national championship uh, team at Texas. I mean, that team was something else, you know, back in, I think it was April when ESPN re-aired the game between Texas and USC, just watching the amount of future NFL talent that was on both of those rosters, honestly, just on the field in general was astounding. Like you kind of forget how good those teams truly were in hindsight when it comes to producing NFL talent, but my goodness, they knew what they were doing. So uh, I'm really excited to talk to Tim Crowder. Well, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit some of the behind the scenes stuff from that 2005 season with with Tim Crowder. And then of course, love it or leave it. It's the segment you all love. It's your favorite thing on the fastest growing podcast, um, fastest growing Longhorns podcast. There might even be a, a Vince Young, Reggie Bush, love it or leave it item in there. You know, speaking Maybe. of 2005, just um, <laughs> but uh, you know, just, just giving you some little nuggets of where we're going this July 4th week and Taylor, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? Because you you wrote an article um, this week that I'm sure everyone at Horns 24 uh, seven has read about the returning experience in the Big Twelve. And look, if Texas is going to have the kind of season that it wants to have, a Big Twelve title uh, type season, you got to know where the biggest landmines are in that season, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I can't take full credit for this because uh, ESPN uh, analyst, staff writer Bill Connolly actually put together a list of the most um, experienced teams based off of returning production. So it's not just based off of sheer number of returning starters. As we know, Texas has 16 returning starters heading into the 2020 season with um, seven on offense and nine on defense. However, um, Bill Connolly kind of takes it a little bit further and looks at the amount of um, you know, production based off a various number of um, variables. Head over to Horns 24-7. You can kind of see, I don't want to bore you with all the details of how the calculations are formed, but it is in that article. So you know, I found this really interesting, Chip. So this season, everyone, it seems to be talking that this, the Big 12 is going to be a probably a two-man race between Texas and Oklahoma, maybe a rematch from the 2018 Big 12 championship game. However, Oklahoma State is actually the most experienced team in the conference with both in returning starters. The uh, Cowboys will have 18 returning starters to their team, but also, um, according to Bill Connolly's projection, they're actually the number nine overall most productive team entering 2020 based off the returning starters. So I think it's kind of interesting. I want your take on this, Chip. You know, with everybody kind of all eyes on a Lincoln Riley, Tom Herman rematch in the uh, from like the 2018 Big 12 championship game, I think a lot of people are projecting that to be the case here. Do you think anybody is giving Oklahoma State the credit that the Cowboys deserve right now? Well, if they're not, 
they need to. And obviously, um, Oklahoma State has had its problems with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Gundy, my gosh, there are years where uh, he had the better team, it seemed, and and then can't get it done, can't close the deal. Um, this year, Oklahoma State has to play OU in Norman, and that's always tough. But but get this, and um, I mentioned this in our roundtable discussion, so check that out also at horns247.com. I mean, the absolute best Texas site for Longhorns fans, the, the site for Longhorns insiders, you know what I'm saying? Um, but Oklahoma, I mean, they did not get any favors from the schedule makers this year, Taylor, because they play the three best teams in the big 12 do the Sooners, um, in succession, right? They play Texas, Iowa state and Oklahoma state in back-to-back weeks during a stretch in which Oklahoma plays four of five games away from Norman. So that's, that's a gauntlet. Oh yeah. And I think, I think OU is going to get tripped up in that gauntlet maybe a couple of times. Um, but I do think they, they find a way to beat Oklahoma state, but your question is about the Cowboys and look, if they're on the same page and um, they've got a new offensive coordinator, which is interesting because Sean Gleason was there for one year. Um, and then uh, Mike Gundy, you know, brings in a new offensive coordinator. But we know that with Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, who was recruited by Mike Yersich, now of the Texas Longhorns, <laughs> um, that they're loaded on offense. And then the question has been defensively, do they have enough? Have they know that's where the thing is broken down for Oklahoma state in the past. And, and so, I mean, you return all 11 starters on defense, um, man, you better be good on defense. This is, this is Gundy's year. If he's going to, um, you know, put it together and finally get over the top, this is the year because Chuba Hubbard, and I know we're only talking about football today. So follow me on this, kids. Chuba Hubbard, you know, chose to come back to Oklahoma State after rushing for 2,000 yards and leading the nation in rushing. And, and you've got a, an elusive rising quarterback in Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace, who I just love. I think the guy is an NFL player for, for days, but he was hurt last year. So um, this, is, this is the year. I, I think Oklahoma State, uh, is is going to be in the Big 12 title game. I think they're going to be in the Big 12 title game against Texas. Okay. So I'm 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 aware. I think people are becoming aware of Oklahoma State. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I I think that Oklahoma State. You know, they've kind of been the team that all along I've been thinking they're not getting enough credit. And then I don't even know if I was honestly giving them enough credit myself, even though I said that. And when I looked at these numbers, I mean, you brought up a good point. Their defense, you know, a Mike Gundy team has really never been known for having some solid defense. I mean, Big 12 teams in general, I mean, people laugh at the defenses in the Big 12, even though, put into perspective, look at what, you know, LSU did to SEC defenses last year, the style of offense running the Big 12, similar to that. 
And so, you know, they never, Big 12 defenses never really get any respect. However, when you look at what Oklahoma State returns, I mean, they're returning 86% of their production from last year, which ranks eighth, eighth nationally, according to, you know, again, go over to this article so you can kind of get all the details without me getting uh, super in depth and all of that. But that to me is going to be a difference maker for Oklahoma State. And another thing, Chip, I do feel like, you know, Tylen Wallace, when he went down last season, he went down with what was, I think it was the end of October. So there was still a full month left. And I think some people are forgetting that he's on that roster. You know, everybody talks about Chuba Hubbard and rightfully so, because he's, you know, with probably the, at least the big 12's best returning running back for this season. um, If not one of the best in college football. And so I think he's really taken the spotlight, but Tylen Wallace is, oh my gosh. I mean, that kid, he is special. You know, I, I mean, just one of those players where when the ball is in his hands, you, you just assume it's going to be for a massive gain or for a touchdown. And He's yeah, think that. back, think back. Sorry to interrupt, but real quick to help make your point. Think back to the Texas Oklahoma State game in Stillwater two years ago, where Tylen Wallace is one step ahead of Chris Boyd the entire night, and Boyd was right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tylen Wallace, man, he went for what three thousand yards in that game. But um, <laughs> like I mean, the guy, the guy is special. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So I really, I do think that you know, people can keep talking about, I think, I think it's wishful thinking. I think people want to see Texas and Oklahoma in the big 12 championship game, just because when those two teams take the field, it's always, even if you you just never know what's going to happen. And so I feel like a lot of people may be having wishful thinking of that repeat, but Oklahoma state, you know, I I'm, I'm thinking we got to watch out for them. Um, I think that Mike Gundy has the opportunity if they all can put it together and, you know, no major injuries to some of their key players. I think that this could be, this could be a team to definitely watch as a, um, I mean, I don't even know if I can say it's a dark horse candidate in the big 12, but you know, kind of somebody that's not getting enough respect right now. Well, and defensively, the, the two names that are going to stick out are Amin Obenmiga. Um, they're, they're stud linebacker who is, he's their version of Kenneth Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Kenneth Murray's now in the NFL, by the way. Uh, but uh, and then it's safety. No one talks about Oklahoma State's um, Colby Harvell Peel, who led the conference and passes defended last year. Had five interceptions and will be a junior on on the uh, Oklahoma State team this year. So um, they've got you know those are a couple names defensively to keep an eye on. Yeah. And so another thing, Chip, I'm curious. So in these rankings, you know, Iowa State was third in the conference for returning the most production. You think, so you, do you think that Oklahoma will lose to Iowa State? I do. Okay. I do. That's my Big 12 upset of the year mm-hmm. is Oklahoma. And I'm giving away some things. So this is good for our, our flagship podcast listeners. You're getting a little kind of sneak preview of where I'm going with my my column on the season predictions but I think that Oklahoma, I think Texas beats Oklahoma in the Red River shootout and and then Oklahoma goes to Ames Iowa the next week and loses so back-to-back losses for 
Oklahoma in the conference, and then Oklahoma snaps back at home with a win over Oklahoma State. And, um, and so I think that trip to Ames is, is going to get the Sooners. And they've look, Oklahoma has struggled with Iowa State. Last year, you could argue Iowa State should have won that 42-41 contest that, that OU barely escaped with. And, you know, a few years ago, Iowa State went into Oklahoma and, and shocked everybody with a win. So Matt Campbell has, has had success against the Sooners, and, and I think that Iowa State sneaks up on Oklahoma this year because, as you point out, Iowa State has a lot back on, on defense. They, they have offensive line, you know, start four offensive line starters they have to replace at Iowa State. But Matt Campbell always has, you know, big guys up front who try hard, kind of like K-State. And, and they have good skill talent. I mean, Brees Hall at, at running back, you know, Brock Purdy at quarterback. They got the best tight end in the league in Charlie Kohler. And, and then defensively, you know, they get Jaquan Bailey back, who is, I think, third overall in college football with, um, you know, active leaders among sacks with 18 and a half. He was hurt last year. They've got Greg Eisworth at safety and Mike Rose at linebacker. And Anthony Johnson was a, a stud freshman corner last year. So, I mean, Iowa State and John Haycock is still the defensive coordinator there. He's the guy who started this whole 3-8 cloud thing with the 4-I technique that, that honestly, Baylor played to perfection last year. And, and, and so Iowa State's a, a tough out. I mean, Texas fans remember last year's game. So I think you're, you're, you're talking about the right teams, Taylor, and, and, and these numbers bear it out. I mean, I've, I think, I think Texas is the best team in the big 12 this year. I know they got to prove it, but I think Oklahoma, Iowa state and Oklahoma state are going to be in a log jam um, for the second, for the second. And I've got them in a tie for second and, and Oklahoma state emerging with the tiebreaker. Okay. Well, one thing I think is really interesting, Chip, we knew that Oklahoma had to replace a ton of production from last year. I mean, losing CeeDee Lamb, losing Jalen Hurts. I mean, those were the two big name ones, but they also replaced, you know, they're replacing a lot across the board. And it is interesting to me to see how people are already, I mean, Lincoln Riley has proven, you probably shouldn't count him out at this point. You know, he's won five straight, uh, or Oklahoma's won five straight Big 12 championships i mean you said they were going to lose back-to-back games has that happened since lincoln riley has been there has oklahoma lost back-to-back games no i didn't think so nope. yeah so, and he's he's so good offensively it's ridiculous and i mean everybody i say this all the time i call him the mule shoe magician because every coach i talk to whether they're in the nfl or or college or even high school everybody is studying ou's offensive film Mm-hmm. And that's how good he is. And he comes up with new stuff every week. And, you know, he bases, he's got the air raid, but it's a different kind of air raid. I mean, they base their running game out of the counter tray, which is very different from most air raid offenses that uh, like the one that Lincoln Riley learned at Texas tech under Mike Leach, which focused on the draw in the, in the screen game. and then 
you know, other air raid offenses have based their running game around the inside outside zone, but by basing it out of the counter tray, you can sort of take away, um, you know, some of the things that the defense likes to do to, to pinch that running game and, and Lincoln Riley then just, you know, adds on to the passing game with route combinations and everything else. It's, it's amazing how open CD lamb got last year. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Ridiculous. Everybody knew he was getting the ball and they still, I mean, he was still wide open. Right. And that's a credit to, to Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Sure. Well, he's going to have a little bit of an uphill battle because according to this ESPN, you know, stats uh, deal, Oklahoma is only bringing back 49% on offense which ranks 103rd in out of what 128 FBS teams. So this will be a chance, I think, for him. You know, he's starting breaking in a first time starting quarterback, which he recruited out of high school, which is the first <laughs> since he's been there. Um, having getting you know Baker, Baker Mayfield. Well, I mean, I guess he. Yeah, all the transfers. Baker, yeah, Kyler tra- Murray, mm-hmm. and Jalen then Hurts. Jalen Hurts. So. This is going to be a new test for Lincoln Riley as the head coach of the Sooners, but you know it's still it is still very hard to count them out. I mean, the metrics are showing that they're going to have an uphill battle to you know replace a lot of the production from last year's team that they had. But at this point, can you say, oh yeah, they're going to finish in the bottom half of the Big Twelve? I think if anybody said that, you'd wonder if your head is going things, what's going on in your head, you know, it's like that doesn't even make any sense. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. And uh, I think we'll see it pretty early. Right. And everybody's, you know, everyone's going to go back and study the K state OU film from last year and figure out how on earth K state just took it to OU the way that they did. And, and that's what the off season is for. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're always looking for ways to catch up. And I, I said, I felt like defense is caught up to Tom Herman in Texas's offense yeah. last year, starting with OU. Right. I mean, Alex Grinch came in and was twisting and stunting like crazy. And, and Texas thought they had a good game plan, got ambushed 15 tackles for loss and nine sacks later. Texas was lucky to be in a one possession game with OU. Well, now everybody's studying that K-State film and how K-State just took it to OU. And, you know, sometimes you catch a team on the schedule and it's a little bit of a flat spot in the schedule, but still this is, it's going to be fun because Lincoln Riley, as you said, he's, he's, his last three quarterbacks went to the Heisman ceremony as finalists. Two of them won it. Mm -hmm. Those two went on to become the number one pick in the draft. Jalen Hurts um, doesn't win the Heisman, ends up a second round pick. But the point is, everybody gives um, OU skill talent and quarterbacks the benefit of the doubt because of the work that Lincoln Riley does and the the confidence that he infuses in in these quarterbacks. And it was funny, I was listening to Lincoln Riley the other day talk about what he told Cliff Kingsbury, who's a obviously a close friend mm-hmm. um, from their you know roots together in at Texas Tech and in Mike Leach's offense. And, and, you know, he said, listen, Kyler is Kyler Murray, of course, who they were talking about before Cliff um, pushed for the Cardinals to take him 
uh, number one overall, but he said, this kid gets it in a way that um, you can't imagine it from a, from a teaching and learning standpoint. And Cliff said, that's, that's all I need to know because yeah. everything else I could see on film. So, um, you know, Lincoln does a really good job of, of teaching his quarterbacks and getting them to believe. And then those guys walk out on the field and, and I've talked to former OU players who say, by the time the quarterback walks on the field for Lincoln Riley, they absolutely believe that they're going to whip your ass. I mean, they, they, that's the confidence that they walk out on the field with because they've just been schooled in it and, and have it down to the point where they feel like no matter what the defense throws at them, they can adjust and, and, and keep moving the ball down the field. So it's going to be fun to see how he does with, like you said, a first-time starter at, at, uh, at quarterback this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, before we get to our interview with Tim Crowder and our much-loved Love It or Leave It segment, we're going to take a very, very short ad break. Very short, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before we go to our guy, Tim Crowder, I wanted to quick give a shout out to some of the people who have headed over to iTunes to subscribe and then rated our podcast, the flagship podcast. and in addition to our trio of Horns 24-7 podcasts with us, Longhorn Blitz, and the State of Recruiting, uh, we got a number of new ratings, Chip. So I wanted to give these people um, some love here. That, awesome. Yes. Yeah, so the first one here, it's uh, titles from Beyond Phenomenal. Taylor and Chip, y'all are wonderful. It makes my day to listen to y'all on any subject of Texas football. Wish y'all were on every day. Stay safe. 
So thank you. All right. That's a beyond phenomenal review. So thank you for that. Love that. And who was that? Who gave us that beyond uh, phenomenal? Beyond phenomenal is the name attached to it. So yeah. Neat. (laughs) I was just going with, you know, we were beyond phenomenal. I shouldn't have asked that question. We could have just let that, uh, let that stand. Well, thank you, Beyond Phenomenal. Yes, thank you. Hopefully you think we're Beyond Phenomenal. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, the second one here is from Connor Hughes saying, all three podcasts complement each other well and bring awesome content every week. So thank you, Connor, for that. Thanks, Connor. And then Kay and, J- and John Ray, Taylor and Chip do a fantastic job. We live in East Texas and so uh, and are so appreciative any of any information and news that we can get. Thank you both for your outstanding efforts and results. So awesome. John well, and Kay, thank you. John and Kay are going to love Tim Crowder, who pride of East Texas from Tyler. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, this uh, last one here is from D man, den 12. I really enjoy the yin and yang of Taylor and chip. I like the chemistry of Rod and Jeff. That's Rod Babers and Jeff Howe on Longhorn Blitz. And then finally, Matt, the stats guru, who's also on Longhorn Blitz. So thank you, D-Man, uh, for that one, too. Yeah, thanks, D-Man. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I love, uh, love Jay Howe and, and Rod B and, and Rochi is all over it. Rochi's got, you know, Rochi talked to Craig Way the other day. I'm like, all right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, getting his favorite calls and everything. It's awesome. So, all right, Chip, well... With that, let's bring in our guest for uh, this week on the flagship podcast, a member of the national champion Texas Longhorns from the 2006 BCS national championship team, Tim Crowder. So let's bring in Tim. All right. Joining us now on the flagship podcast, uh, the one and only Tim Crowder, member of the 2005 Texas national championship team, played in the NFL with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos. And now is training athletes like Charles Amenahu, has trained Joseph Osai, um, incoming freshman Alfred Collins uh, with his, his uh, nuclear athletes, nuclearathletes.com. Um, I call him the pride of East Texas because, you know, he's, uh, he's from Tyler, Texas, baby. Tim Crowder, TC, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Today's my birthday, so man, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm 35 years old, man. Happy birthday, my man. Oh yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate I got, it. We gotta have like kazoos and balloons. I, I feel uh I, I've got I got a brownie in my fridge. I'll throw a candle in it and uh, <laughs> we'll have a little party here. As long as there ain't nothing extra in that brownie. <laughs> well, exactly. What uh what what uh what do you got planned for today? Cause you got tell tell everyone how many kids you've got and and what's going on at the Crowder household. Well, I have two children. I have a, they're about to be seven and six. They six and five, and their birthdays will be next month. Um, uh, they they actually in another room right now, being quiet. They they watching JoJo Siwa on YouTube. So that's why we're trying to keep them at bay right now. Hey, but I you know, know what I, I what days. I what I what I did this morning is I I power washed the back cement. Uh, as far as the uh, the sidewalk and the, as far as the back seat of the house, so I'm still I'm I'm doing manly things. It don't matter. <laughs> hey, well, hopefully you get to relax a little bit. You know, at some point today, I know you're always going and and training your athletes and and let's let's start there, TC, because um, 
I give you a lot of credit, you know, uh, and I think you've talked about this. I love, I tell everyone to follow you on nuclear athletes at, on Twitter, uh, because you're very candid. You talk about things like how you transitioned out of pro football and part of your, um, transition out of pro football was to train guys to help them get, uh, to where, you know, they have a chance to live out their dream. And then you've said, Hey man, I don't make any bones about it. I, I live through them once, Definitely. once I get Definitely. them trained up and ready to go. So, Definitely. you know, just talk about that. Talk about that transition and then we'll get into some of the guys that you've been training, like Charles and who all the way to Alfred Collins, who's an incoming freshman for Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I finished up Texas, I was a kinesiology major. So, uh, while I was playing in the pro pro football, I would I was basically my own strength coach, and I would do all of my running, and I would I loved doing programming, and so I would design my own program. And then uh, Derek Johnson, uh, Mad Dog, kind of linked us together because we played together as well. But he would kind of do his own thing, I would do my own thing. But Mad Dog would say, "Hey, you should go train over there with Tim," and so. Me and DJ, we linked up together and we trained together for years and I became his basically a private coach. And there were so many other guys that came after that and, you know, the rest is history. I, like I tell those guys all the time, I'm, you know, you guys were my therapy when I, when I retired. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, they, they gave me therapy to, to keep my sanity. And they basically, I, could, I, didn't, I couldn't think about what happened to my career or anything like that because I was too busy trying to salvage or, or save or try to get those guys to the next level. You know, when they made the Pro Bowl or they, or they got new contracts, I felt like I got a new contract. You know, I was so happy for them. And I think that's what it should be about, you know, just the brotherhood and the bond that you should have with your athletes. Well, and it's, it's been very successful. I mean, obviously, my gosh, Derek Johnson, um, all-time leading tackler in Kansas City Chiefs history, um, and you've trained, well, most recently, you're, I think you're training Alex Okafor, member of the Kansas Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, and, you know, talk about that because Alex Okafor just, uh, just, just got a ring and, you know, talk about what you're, you're doing to help him. Well, the thing with Alex is like, I, I mentioned this on the radio a couple of weeks back, but. You know, I, I watched some of his old film from last year, and I was just like, wow, man, this guy could have had at least 15 sacks. And I, I think I counted like six or eight that he missed. And one of the main things that he – he was beating the guys clean, but the reason was is once he got past him, he didn't have an ankle ankle and hip mode. You see, with the, with the Von Millers and guys of that nature, they could just really bend. And that's one of the things that me and him work on a lot. We work on his ankle mobility, his hip mobility. Uh, don't be afraid to grab grass if you feel like you lose your balance. Make sure you lean back up against the pressure with his offensive lineman. And uh, that's one of the main things we work about. Everybody, like I say, every everybody is coming to learn something. Like every, it's no such thing as no old dogs don't learn new tricks. I mean, everybody can continue to learn. And I mean, let's talk about. Uh... I mean, you've helped Charles Amenahu, as I mentioned, and Charles is now a guy that the Texans are are looking to put more on his plate now that, you know, obviously Jadavian Clowney has left there. And, uh, and, and Charles showed, it, you know, right away that he has that length to make an impact, had three sacks in limited action, two of them strip sacks, um, all of them in victories, I believe. And, and, you know, talk about what you're seeing from Charles Amenahu. 
Uh, I haven't seen Charles in a while, but the last time I did see him, due to all the coronavirus and things of that nature, but the main thing about Charles, I said, dude, we have to, I need you to get you to buy an end to who you are. I said, you're not, uh, you know, you're not one of those Von Miller guys, so just, just stop trying to be like that. I said, you're a guy with long arms, you're heavy. I said, man, you got to embrace that. So uh, his biggest thing was, I said, dude, we got to master who you are, which is everything was, I mean, a guy has 36-inch arm, uh, arm, so I said, we need to do everything up for long arm. You know, that's, that's the pass rush move, everything, long arm stab, long arm lift, you know, long arm swipe, long, uh, I said long horn, long arm swipe, you know, so things of that nature. Uh, he also can bend really well to be that big. So I say that we just need to embrace who you are. And that's, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's very similar. He and Afro Collins are kind of built the exact same, but Afro just a little bit quicker than he is. Well, those, those 36 inch arms, talk about that because, you know, if people are, fans are listening and they, they need to know what numbers matter at the combine. And I've always said arm length, especially for the big, big guys is a big deal. Talk about what's, What's a good arm length and what's a great arm length? Uh, good arm length is, let's see, 33, 34, that's good. Great as far as when, you, when you're talking about extraterrestrial activities like Charles and Minihu, 36, that's like unheard of. I mean, not too many guys walking around with 36-inch arm long, um, as far as arm length. So that's, that's just alien-like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you mentioned, you mentioned Alfred Collins, who's – who's an incoming freshman right now. God bless this college football season. I'm praying <laughs> to the mighty heavens that we get a college football season this year. But I've heard you talk about Alfred Collins, and I just want you to, to tell the Texas fans who are, are watching here at Horns 24-7 and on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, how special you think this guy is because you're tough. You're a tough critic. Um, but talk about what you're – what you've seen in your training of Alfred Collins? Man, Alfred is, Alfred is scary. I mean, his potential is just off the, I mean, the only thing that, that worries me with Alfred is not Alfred. It's, it's the way Alfred can be used. I would hate for Alfred just to just say, all right, we're going to just put you inside as a three technique, as a nose guard, just let you get double team. Like, like, he's not your average defensive end. He's the guy that's the Julius Peppers, the Bruce Smiths, the Reggie White. He's those guys that you let them blossom up to 290, 295, believe him, at defensive end. He's rare because, uh, I mean, he can still be that size and still run a 4'7". I mean, just – he's another one has that extraterrestrial long arms. He's about another 35, 36-inch long arm. And, like I said, he's even he's even quicker than, than – uh, than Charles is, and I'm pretty sure he will be be stronger by the time he gets in his second year. But uh, he he's a freak of nature. Uh, I mean, uh, he he played basketball. I mean, he's very fluid. He got, you know, he got that that big man little man syndrome. Or he passed first. He can, you know, he's very fluid in his hips. He can bend already. Like I said, I, I don't I don't say too much about a lot of people, and I love him the most because he's so humble. He's a humble guy. Great family kind of country country background so I guess it's probably why we get along so well <laughs> and uh you know like I said I love him to death man I just I just hope he hope this season turns out so people can see what I'm talking about yeah I mean the 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 penchant or the the inclination of the coach might be to look at his size and move him inside to that three technique where 
Taquan Graham is probably going to be playing this year. Um, but you like what he could do from the outside and, and you've talked to him. I mean, it sounds like that's important to him too. Definitely. He, he, he understands. And I told him, I said, Hey man, you're going to be like, uh, what's that? What's the action guy? The, the evil guy in the, in the end of games. What's his, uh, Thanos. Oh yeah. Th- yeah. I, Thanos or Thanos, yeah. Thanos, whatever you call yeah. it. But, uh, I told, him, I said, Hey man, you're not going to need no five, no five diamonds or whatever he got to snap. You can just snap your finger. <laughs> you're not going to need no hand. You're not going to need this. You just snap your finger and voila. But, uh, but yeah, he's, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for him, you know, getting the weight room and all that good stuff. But and the thing about it, he can go inside and start at three technique. I'm not saying he can't do that. He can do it all. But I think his greatest impact, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to have him moving all over the place. He's going to go find that weak link offensive line and just go to work on him. And that might be the best thing for him. Well, it, you and I have talked, because um, I always turn to you, uh, when I'm, when something doesn't make sense to me, like the four-eye technique. You know and, what I always say? I say, it's only one thing that smells like fish, right? Fish. <laughs> exactly. Right? So. so, you know, last year, the, the four-eye technique, it kind of drove me crazy. And even the year before, because you're playing guys like Breck and Hager, you know, who probably walks around at 225, you know, puffed up to 250, trying to take on double teams um, in that in that four eye technique. And it, it, you know, it worked at times, but it really didn't. Now you you have Chris Ash coming in. Todd Orlando's scheme is now over at USC. Here comes Chris Ash, four down lineman. And, you know, you know, the personnel because you're here in in Austin, you watched it and you're training guys who are, you know, active part of it, like Joseph Osai. We'll get to Osai in a minute because uh, he could he could have a huge year this year. But give me your initial thoughts just on the move from a, a three, four to a four, three uh, for Texas under Tom Herman. Now with Chris Ash as the defensive coordinator. Uh, number one thing is when I, I talk to him, the number one thing is excitement. I mean, it's not only excitement from the players, but even the other coaches are excited. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things that the, the, the thing I kept I keep hearing is, man, they about to let let them off the leash. And the same thing with Joseph Osai, let them off the leash. Like we've gone, we're not about to tell a racehorse to, to backpedal. Like we about to let them off the leash, let them run forward, you know, and we're gonna hunt. Like we're about to be disruptive. I mean, everybody's happy. Giles is happy. He's like, man, we about to pin these ears back and just get vertical. So that's what I that's what I'm excited to hear. Uh, big big Coburn, he's losing weight. He's trying to get down to the 320 range so he can get up the field. So, you know, everybody's excited. That's the main thing I, I see right now is everybody's excited and they can't wait to just kind of get out there and just unleash because it's been a long time since these guys have been unleashed and, and they about to do it. Well, what we saw in the Alamo Bowl and even against Texas Tech in the season finale where – you know, Marquez Bimage got off and uh, and was allowed to to rush and made some plays. And, um, you know, Malcolm Roach made some plays and he's now uh, moving on, trying to get it get it going in the NFL. But, um, you know, Bimage and Joseph Osai, let's let's start there with the edge guys. Um, let's start with Bimage. What what do you like about 
Marquez Bimich. See, the thing about Bimich, and I tell him this all the time, I would always be in his ear like, hey, dude, don't get too big. And he would always say, oh, you know, I got to play a four hour. So, you know, they got, I got to get up to this certain amount of weight. And I'm just like, dude, that's just not you, man. Like, you just don't have the body type for that. Like, you, when I watched his, his high school film, I felt like he had some of the best get off I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was it was a Von Miller type of get off when I watched his high school tape in Brenham. And I was so excited. And we started getting too big. I was like, wait a minute, man, what you doing? You know, you're getting big too fast. Like, make sure you don't lose your speed. And and I think he's another one that's starting to get his weight back down. And he's, he had a he had a very natural feel for pass rush. He understood rush angles and things of that nature. So he's another one as a sleeper that, you know, he'll sleep around and mess around and, you know, get you eight, ten. He might lead the team in sacks. You never know. You never know how it's going. That's a, that's the excitement about the season, right? You never know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and as far as uh, who's the next one, you said? You said and Osai. then Osai. Okay, yeah. Osai, man, he's just a freak. Yeah. You know, he's the, he's the Chase Young of the bunch. He's the guy that just has a, a knack of just so aggressive. I mean, even when I when I when I would have him out there, I had to tell him like, "Hey, Joe, man, may, hey, I don't have no pads on, dude. Like, make sure you don't like haul off and accidentally punch me in my face because we might start boxing out here, you know." So, <laughs> but uh, but he's aggressive, you know. He's a very very violent with his hands, and uh, his biggest thing is to just just honing in all that and just basically starting to become skilled. Because you can have a lot of activity, but you're not productive at all. That means that you're just out there. You're looking like a kangaroo when you pass rush. You know how they be doing like this, but you're not getting nowhere. So I say, hey, man, you need to do the kangaroo, but then you need to slip by them. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, in, in that uh, Utah game, the Alamo Bowl, um, you know, you, I always remind you of this, but you still have the school record for most tackles for loss in a game <laughs> yeah. with seven. And Osai got six tackles for loss in that uh, – Alamo Bowl, um, including three sacks. And, you know, people are going to get their hopes up. And obviously, Utah is a, is a running team and, and Texas was able to shut them down. But, you know, just talk about what, you, what kind of impact you think Osai can have on this defense. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. It's like uh, I compare it to when I played with Champ Bailey. Uh, we used to watch the tape. You know, coach would tell uh, Champ Bailey, he's like, all right, uh, hey, Champ, you got the number one receiver. All right, you can go back to sleep. <laughs> and that was the game plan for Champ. But Joseph is like, they're like, hey, Joe, you got this, this, man, just cut it loose, and we're going to play off for you. Don't worry about it. Just just be disruptive. The linebackers will play off for you. The, the D-Tigers are going to make plays off of you because he's just that type of disruptive player. And that's, I mean – when you have that kind of stuff up front with Keandre Coburn, a guy who, and talk about what you've seen from, from Coburn and then maybe what you expect from Taquan Graham. Let's start with, with Keandre Coburn. What, uh, you know, what you're seeing from him as he heads into his junior season. Well, I know when they was there during the spring, he was getting his weight down. Cause that's one thing I, I, you know, Yancey should give me some credit too behind the scenes because I'd be on these guys about, you know, as far as they weight and, you know, lift them properly, don't get fooled by the shenanigans that's going on behind the scenes out there. But, you know, I told, I said, dude, get your weight down, man. I said, you need to be able to play every down. I said, I said, don't be no specialist guy on the offensive line. I said, I said, Casey Hampton led the team in tackles as a nose guard. <laughs> I said, think about that for a, I said, think about that for a second. 
I said, that dude wasn't tired. I said, that dude had a, I said, and he was running. I said, I said, that means he was running people down, down the field. So that means he was rushing the quarterback, turning around and sprinting 30 yards, snap after snap. I said, in order to do that, you need to get your weight down, man. I said, you, you'll be plenty of strong. I said, 315, 320, still a big old dude. You know, so I said, you need to be able to run all day because I think Casey was like 320, 325, which is, which is phenomenal, <laughs> you know, coming to think about it. That's what was the first round pick. And, yeah, uh, Kay- yeah. Casey's the best I've, I've seen. I mean, <laughs> I think he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame yeah, um, he- for what he did, you know, two Super Bowls with the Steelers. And the guy just, I mean, he just took care of two players on every play. <laughs> I mean, he, I, I mean, he's so low to the ground and strong and, and also, man, Casey just has a mentality. That I just like, man, how, where'd that come from? I mean, he's just a mentality just, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I, I don't want to start no with loud sin line, but I remember me and Casey, we was in Houston one time and we was having a, uh, we was, I forgot what we was, what we was, why we was even down there. But me and him was at a bar, and uh, he said, hey, he's like, hey, man, tell me about this, about this loud guy, because we about to play him in the Super Bowl. And uh, I said, hey, man, he, I said, you probably be able to bull rush him. I said, what you do best will be, like, that'll be, that'll be trouble for him, because you can bull rush him. And he was like, all right, that's, that's all I need to know. That's all I'm going to do. And when I watched that Super Bowl, man, I said, yeah, I mean, it looked like, I mean, he had Lyle on and some quicksand, a whole <laughs> – Lyle was doing the best he could, but, man, Casey's just a big old dude. He's just a big guy. Yeah, and that was Lyle's rookie year with the Arizona Cardinals (laughs) in that Super Bowl where Roethlisberger hit uh, Santonio Holmes and James Harrison had the longest return in, like, Super Bowl history. But, um, all right, TC, we're we're talking to Tim Crowder, NuclearAthletes.com, NuclearAthletes on Twitter. Um, The guy's just – he's – become a technician trainer for, um, you know, NFL players. And, and when you look at Taquan Graham, who, you know, has played in the, the four eye, now he's going to move in side to that three technique. What, uh, what do you think about, you know, Taquan Graham and, and his senior season? Uh, like I said, I wish I'd seen him more, but I know the coronavirus and they got him working out and things of that nature. But the first thing I would tell TQ is I said, hey, man, you got to transform your mentality. I said, there's no more reading, reacting. I said, now you're just going to react on the move. You see what I mean? Or just read as you get to the guy. And that's going to be, uh, I've been in that before. So it's going to be a little grace period that he's going to realize, like, oh, crap, like I can actually get up the field. I don't have to worry about taking up two guys or anything of that nature. So, if he can, he needs to do so many reps before training camp to try to break his mentality as far as break his mind and say, man, I can just cut it loose because he's going to initially be a little hesitant because, he, I mean, it's muscle memory. You've been doing something for so long. So I hope that he's going against some offensive linemen or even going against his, his own D linemen where they're basically giving him certain blocks. And he's just, just attacking that outside shoulder and just getting up the field and penetrating. So. That's one thing I recommend he do. If he can do that, he'll be all right because he has all other he has all the other tools. Very strong. Like I said, he's another one. He's he needs to work on his being a little bit more. But like I said, if he get more reps in right now, this is the best time to do it in the summer. He should be ready to go in the fall. So when you look at that that defensive line, you, you've also got uh, Moro Ajomo, um, and uh, Tavondre Sweat, 
who, who both got playing time last year um, and you're adding Alfred Collins into the mix. What, what excites you about this defensive line going into the, the 2020 season? Uh, number one, they have a lot of depth. Um, I think they have more inside depth right now. It just depends on what they do with Alfred. But right now they have a lot of depth. Uh, if they can find, I know they always look for four guys. If they can find four defensive ends, that's really no drop off. Of course, it's going to be some type of drop off from O-side. <laughs> but if they can have four, four productive defensive ends and at least five or six uh, DTs, because like I said, it's Big 12. You know, those guys play a lot. The season goes on. So uh, that's one of those things I hope they can get to as far as a lot of, a lot of quality depth. All right, so Tim Crowder, I mean, made his bones on the on the defensive line, defensive end, obviously, but you also size up the offensive line, and and you got to win up front. I mean, when you were in the national championship game um, in '05, you know, you had Justin Blaylock, you had, you know, you had what Senline and Stuttered and and mean nasty dudes, Jonathan Scott. And, uh, and, and then, and Tony Hills, I mean, and then it dried up. Then there were no offensive linemen taken in the first round. Um, man, there's been no offensive linemen from Texas taken in the first round since Mike Williams in 03. But if Texas is going to have the kind of season it wants to have, what, you know, what, uh, what do you think about the offensive line? You got Sam Cosme, you got Junior Angelow, Derek Kerstetter probably moving to center. And then, you know, we'll see about whether Denzel Okafor is playing guard or tackle or, or Christian Jones. What, uh, what should fans keep an eye on and, and think about with this offensive line? That's another thing. Basically, that, that depth word I keep bringing up, because it seems like every year it's always the beginning of the season, somebody gets hurt. The center, or guard, and it just kind of it, – it can mess up some things. Because, you know, as far as offensive line, it's all cohesive unit. So – the main thing they need to do is they need to get some quality depth. A lot of those young players, man, it's time for them to step up. Uh, you know, I don't care if it was the coronavirus or whatnot. There's no excuses. You're a Texas football player. It's time to step up. It's time to be productive. If I come to practice, I shouldn't say, oh, man, I know that's a starter. Oh, I know that's the bad guy. Oh, I, I know that's the walk-on. Oh, my bad. He played second team. My bad. I thought he was a walk-on. It shouldn't be like that anymore because – I've been to some of those practices. I'm like, okay, that's definitely a starter. But I should say, oh, man, he should be – he's right there. But it should not be, okay, why is this – you know, nothing against the walk-on players. But if you have a scholarship at UT, you shouldn't be looking like no walk-on out there. And, again, we've had some good walk-ons before, and that's not a knock against the others. But, but a lot of college players know what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> so. Well, and you look at – you look at Oklahoma. They've won five Big 12 titles in a row. Um, they're going to the college football playoff under Lincoln Riley, and and now he's going to start uh, one of his high school recruited quarterbacks, either Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai, and not a transfer like he has the the last three years, all of whom went to the Heisman Trophy ceremony as finalists. Two of them won it. Um, you know, y'all had to snap a spell against OU, and you did it in 05 in resounding fashion. Um, you know, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to beat OU this year? It's going to take sound football. 
Uh, I think the scheme should definitely help. Uh, they've had some, I mean, they just had the luck of the draw, man. They've had some some Heisman-worthy. Uh, they had two Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. They had another one that was basically runner-up. So it's hard to beat three guys like that. And like I said, OU just has had an extreme amount of luck or whatever you want to call it with those quarterbacks because anybody else, they can't make things happen, man. Some of the throws I saw from Baker Mayfield and then, you know, Kyler Murray running 67 yards for a touchdown. And, you know, then uh, what's the next guy? He's was second Jaylen round. Jalen Hurts, second round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. They already got a quarterback. So it shows you how really good, how really good he is. And um, it's hard to stop guys like that. It's not saying it can't happen, but it's basically like they've had to go against three BYs for the last few years. <laughs> last few years, that's tough to beat. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll help break the break the spell too. They have another quarterback, but you know, cross my fingers. I hope this other kid is not as good as the other ones. <laughs> right, right. You figure Barry Switzer once told me, Chip, the team with the best quarterback usually wins this game, and he said, you know, when when y'all had VY, he's like Texas is is going to win this game. Now you've got Sam Ellinger. He's a four-year guy. And, and give me your thoughts on Sam Ellinger. What, you know, what do you like? A lot of Texas fans are still up in the air about Sam Ellinger. And I'm, I'm like, man, he's won some big games. He's led some big drives late in games. I think Texas can win with this guy. What do you, what do you think of Sam Ellinger? Well, you have to understand, Texas fans are very uh... – it's not necessarily spoiled, but their expectations are extremely high. And that's, and that's no knock against Sam, but I mean, it's like, let's say I'm a, I'm a prize fighter, but if everybody been seeing Mike Tyson fight for the last 10 years, you're going to say, all right, I'm always going to be compared to Mike Tyson, no matter how good I am. They're going to say, well, that guy was great. <laughs> so I think that's what Sam is dealing with a little bit. He's having to deal with not only VY, but he's also dealing with Coach McCoy as well. And those guys got to the to the big game. And, yeah. and you know, I wish I'm still mad about Coke getting hurt. I wish that that didn't happen. But I, there's no doubt in my mind that Texas would have won that game if he didn't get hurt. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's like we looking to see that, that special trait consistently. We've seen it sometime, but it's like consistently like, Man, take over that game, Sam. Like, take over, like, all of them. Like, that's what we want to see. So, I think hopefully this, this is the year that it gets to that point where we don't have that game where you throw three or four interceptions and things of that nature. And, again, he's human. It may happen. You know, if your defenses bail him out. But uh, that's, I think that's what it is. I think that's the issue. Is it's just the expectation and the, the standard is so high at a place like the University of Texas. Well, let's go into the locker room for a second. Let's go back to 2005. I've been meaning to ask you about the locker room at the Texas OU game in 05. Y'all were the home team, so OU had to go out of the locker room first. And I, I was told, I wasn't in the tunnel at that time, but I was told that y'all opened the door, had mystical playing. Oh, yeah. As OU was coming out of their locker room, Tell me what was going on because OU players were like, uh-oh, this is a different Texas team. <laughs> you know, the years before, man, it was all strict and everybody be quiet and let's have this big old speech about Oklahoma. And, 
we, we play everybody else. We never have a big speech. You know, we have all these people get up and talk. And and I was always, I was a youngster at the time, so I was always was, had the mindset like, man, what? why are we treating them like that? You know, like the whole speech about the, the coaches, they, they not, you can tell they don't have the confidence they normally have. I'm just like, what? They put their leg, they pants leg on just like how we do one at a time. So it's just like anybody else. But all of a sudden, when BY and we all start getting older, we become the leaders and we wanted it loose. We was like, man, we gotta have a party in here. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna party before before the game. We're gonna party during the game. We're gonna party bigger after the game. That's exactly what we did. And I mean, what was going on? Y'all had mystical playing and Y'all were just standing there staring them down. What what was going on as OU's coming out of their locker room in the well, tunnel? You know, OU was big. OU was all about intimidation. They they front runners. Like they the type of team that if they can get up on your big, like they they the best in the world. But if, if you show some fight and you punch them back in the mouth, that's when they that's when they start to lay down. And it's gonna be a tough one. They're not gonna easily give it to you, but they the type of guys you gonna have to battle the whole game, and then once you do get up on about two touchdowns, they they'll lay down, and that's the thing that we noticed. We, we was like, dude, they some front runners. We got they gonna come out hard and tough like they always do. You know, we gotta punch them back. It wasn't no, it wasn't no, you know, let's just withstand this punch. It's like, no, nah, we are gonna punch them back in their mouth. And I remember talking. I was talking. I said some some choice words to Bob Stoops during the game, and because uh, he had did some some stuff that I thought that was a little you know, a little skeptical the year before doing dealing with my recruitment. But I was able to pay him back and I said a few choice words to him. I called him I forgot what I called. I can't repeat that right now. I'm gonna get in trouble. But That's uh why your kids are in the other room. I, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't care. You know, I, I was like whatever. But uh yeah, I we was like I said, we was having freestyle sessions in the locker room. We was having a great old time and we we did the same thing on the field too. Well in in VY I mean, what were practices like for that that 05 team? I mean, what was the John like even amongst teammates? It was fun. I mean, it was it's, – it's funny. When I have my kids practice now, they'd be so quiet and stuff because they're so kind of hypnotized from what – I guess the high school coaches, they kind of have them all quiet and, you know, they try to run it like a military. But then they come out to one of my practice sessions. And they, I don't have any music, but, man, we talk, we laugh, we – we have a great time. I say, dude, why, why be out here in this hot sun and we're going to not have fun? You know, so we have a lot of fun. It's the same thing I was in 05. We had so much fun at practice. Uh, you actually kind of enjoyed it a little bit. You know, talk. I mean, we talked so much trash to each other. You would think that we was enemies, you know, but we loved each other. We had fun. We played dominoes right after the right after practice and whatever else. We had a great time. Well, give us we'll, – we'll wrap it up with this, TC. Give us your thoughts on this Texas team because I've been saying for a couple of years that 20 is the year. That's when you're going to have experience on defense. Last year you had nine new starters. Now you got nine starters back, and you got a fourth-year quarterback. Give us your thoughts on this Texas team and if, if they should win the, the Big 12 this year. Well, if, the, if, the, if the, the pandemic and the racism and all that stuff – if we take that out the equation, it should be a pretty solid team. Um, I don't like to give a, a number on how, who they should beat and who not because, man, you know these seasons are crazy. You know, who, who would have thought that Texas would, would not have a good year last year based on what they did from the Sugar Bowl, right? So you just never know. I, hopefully everybody is humble. Everybody's working hard up there and everybody's coming together. But as far as talent, 
I mean, talent-wise, they should beat everybody. The only one that there's going to be a battle, which is always, is OU. But everybody else, should, they should beat everybody. You know, they should have a, should have a really, really good season. Well, if you want, you want the cold, hard truth, uh, follow my man Tim Crowder at Nuclear Athletes on Twitter. Uh, NuclearAthletes.com is the website. And TC, you know you're one of my favorites. And I'm so proud of you to see what all you've got going and, and how you're leading young men. And um, it's, it's just always so much fun to talk to you. So thanks so much for the time today here at uh, the Flagship Podcast, my friend. I appreciate it, man. Make sure you give me, a, uh, give me an early bird call tomorrow morning. I'll tell me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And happy birthday, man. Have some, Thank have you. some fun. I'll, I don't know. I'll FedEx you a, a, a cake or something to thank yeah. you for, uh, for your time. But happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I have a good one. Great to hear from our guy, Tim Crowder, a member of the 2005 Texas Longhorn National Championship team. And so awesome for him to join us on his birthday. I mean, my goodness, talk about a surprise there. So happy birthday, TC. We uh, extra appreciate you coming on when it is your birthday to chat with us. So nice of him. Yes, for sure. All right, Chip. So let's, uh, let's go to everybody's favorite segment of the show. We're going to bring in Love It or Leave It, where I'm going to pose some statements to you. If uh, you agree with it, you're going to love it. If you disagree with it, you're going to leave it. And then we'll see how we kind of match up on this. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All righty. So the first statement I have for you is DeMarvian Overshawn will become a star linebacker at Texas this season. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this, but let me explain because if we say star, then I'm thinking like that means he's one of the best players on the defense, maybe even all big 12. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think DeMarvin Overshawn will be productive, like a productive member of a, of a really good defense. Um, but I think the star is going to be Joseph Osai or, you know, one of the corners or safety. I think DeMarvian Overshawn is going to be productive. I mean, to say he's going to be a star in his first real year or full season at, at linebacker, remember he didn't want to play there last year. So he was kind of floating around and, and playing you know, different hybrid positions like nickel and joker, which is basically where he's going to end up now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, star, I mean, he has all the tools and I think he has a chance. You know, people have said, could he be Isaiah Simmons at Clemson who ran a freakish sub four four forty, and at it, I mean, he's similar in build to Isaiah Simmons at Clemson in terms of, you know, being almost six, four and, and, you know, two thirty and just blazing fast. Um, and you, I think you might even hit on this. Um, when I kind of ask you this question, he's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave this, but it's not because I don't think DeMarvin Overshawn is, is going to struggle at linebacker. I think, I think he'll be productive. I just don't, I don't see him breaking out as a star, uh, Taylor. What do you What do you say? Love it or leave it? 
I'm going to leave this one as well. I agree with that. Um, we don't know what DeMarvin over Sean's upside truly is right now. And from what I have been able to gather, he's actually never finished a season since he was in high school without an injury where it kept him out of games. And for him to be moving into this, this new, well, kind of, I guess, semi-new role, but being labeled as a linebacker as opposed to a defensive back and under, you know, new coaches having worked out remotely for so long um, throughout the spring, not having spring football to kind of get his feet wet in this new off or defense. I'm sorry. I, uh, I agree. I'm going to leave this. However, I am very intrigued to see what his upside is and to see if he can stay healthy. Cause if you can't stay healthy, that's going to follow you throughout your entire career. NFL teams are going to know that immediately. You know, if, if he's a player that constantly gets injured and constantly, um, cannot finish a season because of different ailments that he's had. Like that's that's going to be an issue, and it's hard to call someone a star if they can't finish the year. And I know that's you know injuries aren't his fault, but it just is a way that is kind of played out. So I well agree with that. I'm going to leave it, um, but I am very intrigued to see how he is utilized. And and when we are talking about star players, I mean you know, the last quote unquote star linebacker Texas had was Malik Jefferson. And he was a big 12 defensive player of the year when, in 2017. I don't see that for uh, DeMarvin Overshawn. So I agree. I'm going to leave that one. Yeah. And you know what they say in the NFL, you can't make the club in the tub. So yeah. here's hoping that DeMarvin Overshawn has a healthy and full 2020 season. Yes. All right. So my second one for you, Chip, and this is going to be interesting. I think I know what your answer is going to be, but let's let's see. Hudson Card will become the number two quarterback in 2020. Yeah, so um, I'm going to leave this because I think I think everyone watched the Hudson Card pass to Bijan Robinson on social media, <laughs> and Bijan Robinson made this incredible one-handed stab catch. Um, you know, they were working out probably out at Lake Travis, but um, let's slow down a second here and, and not forget about Casey Thompson, who's been waiting his turn. Now I know I'm probably higher on Casey Thompson than most, but I think Casey Thompson is the number two quarterback all year in 2020. And then it's a, it's a competition between Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, and Jaquindon Jackson for the quarterback job in in 21. I think Casey Thompson is the backup quarterback in 20 uh, the entire football season. Okay. Taylor, love it or leave it. This is a tough one because okay, so I can see this actually happening. Now I know that I have a different take on Casey Thompson than you do. And mine is based off of just what I saw as a recruit. And, you know, I've talked about this before on the flagship that, you know, first impressions can be very lasting. <laughs> and my first impression of Casey Thompson was not great. My second impression was not great either as a recruit. So it's really hard for me. And when I say not great, I mean, like, where I reached out to people that knew him in Oklahoma being like, wait a minute what is this kid? You know what I mean? Like I needed to fact check to see if maybe I just saw him when he had some off days or what. But um, I do think, I don't think 
that Hudson card will surpass Casey Thompson, because I think if push comes to shove, you know, without having, you know, Hudson card did enroll early, but without having spring football, you know, they're starting from, you know, scratch once they take the field in fall camp. And at that point, you know, at least Casey has a little bit of college experience. If something were to happen to Sam Ellinger, you know, God forbid for Texas fans that, you know, hopefully will not be the case. But if that were to happen, I feel like Tom Herman and Mike Yersich and the offensive staff would probably feel more comfortable putting in Casey Thompson over Hudson card. Um, however, I think that this race is going to be big next year. I, I, um, I could see Hudson card surpassing Casey Thompson if he's able to redshirt this year, or, you know, if he's a true sophomore next year, I could see that definitely happening. So I'm going to leave it, but it, with a kind of an asterisk and say, I could see that happening definitely after 2020. Yeah. And Jaquindon Jackson, who this is, we also have to factor in Mike Yersich now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jaquindon Jackson and Hudson card were both recruited before Mike Yersich took over as the offensive coordinator. And we know that Mike Yersich, his best year at Oklahoma state was with Mason Rudolph, who's not a running dual threat guy. Right. And, and Hudson card can certainly run around. He's more, he's, he's probably more like Sam Ellinger, whereas Jaquindon Jackson is probably more like Vince Young. I mean, he's, he's raw as a passer that he, he did a lot of damage, um, you know, for, for Duncanville with his legs and, but his big game presence, oh boy, Jaquindon Jackson, like I'm getting chills down my neck, just thinking (laughs) about how, how much command he had uh, of that state championship game a couple of years ago against North shore when they should have won it except for a hail Mary touchdown by North shore uh, to steal that win away from Duncanville. Jaquindon Jackson is a dog. I mean, he is going to fight uh, to the end to be the quarterback at Texas in my mind. And so I'm with you. I think 2021 is going to be, fascinating in terms of the quarterback race and and I think Casey Thompson is on schedule to graduate so if he doesn't feel good about where things are going he could grad transfer out Um, if he does feel good about where things are going he'll be the starter in 21 so um, yeah there's a lot of intrigue going into that uh, 21 season so let me ask you this off topic. Well, kind of, but you mentioned Jaquindon Jackson. Some people have almost pinned him as more of an athlete, not necessarily a quarterback at the college level. Do you see a situation where Texas moves him to play a different position on offense? Well, I haven't talked to Mike Yersich enough to know mm-hmm. if he would be willing to put in the time with with someone like Jaquin and Jackson, because think about what Texas had to do with Vince Young, right? He redshirted in 2002 when he got playing time in 03. It was up and down. I mean, it was good against K-State. It was terrible against Missouri. And people were saying, move him to receiver. And then right. he goes down as one of the best quarterbacks in college football history, certainly with one of the best big game performances in college football history that takes 
vision. I mean, you have to be able to project that guy and, and does, does that fit what Mike Yersich wants or, and, and ultimately it's what Tom Herman wants, but I think it's, um, I think Hudson card is going to be the athlete. And I know people are, are like, what, what are you talking about? I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just making my own, um, educated, uh, projection here. I thought Quinton Jackson handled the big game stage a lot better than Hudson Cart handled the big game stage, even though Hudson Card won a ton of games right. and, and looked good doing it. And, but he's a great athlete. He will, he will have an impact in, in college football at Texas, in my mind, Hudson Card. I just don't think it'll be at quarterback. But let's see. There's a lot of development that's going to happen between now and then. I could be dead wrong, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Well, when Hudson Card committed to Texas, he was, correct me if I'm wrong, he was playing receiver that season, I believe, right? Right. Receiver tight end, right? Right. He played receiver okay. um, as a sophomore and then moved over to quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that was when, when Texas had accepted his commitment because he was the first commitment of the 2020 recruiting class. And that was I was surprised by that because I was like, oh, this kid plays quarterback, but he's they recruited him as quarterback. He's never played <laughs> quarterback in the varsity high school level at the time. So that's it. That's interesting. Well, definitely something to watch for sure. Um, I'm going to write that down in my head and oh, yeah. call you out if you're wrong. It's one of those, it's one of those <laughs> post-it notes, you know, stick it on the wall. Yes, absolutely. Remember when you said this, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, so speaking of something that you did say, I'm going to bring, some, we're going to revisit something that we discussed on last week's episode of the flagship podcast chips. So um, last week we talked about in our love it or leave it segment, the our predicting of how many Texas players will be on the preseason all big 12 first team. And I asked you specifically if Texas will have more than four players on the first team preseason all big 12. You loved it. Or I said, Texas will have more than, excuse me, four players. You loved it. I left it. And the biggest difference in our choices was actually uh, safety Caden Stearns. So I'm going to ask you something on this subject again this week to let you clarify something. Love it or leave it, Caden Stearns will be voted to the preseason All Big 12 first team. Okay. So I'm glad you brought this up because I did say that Caden Stearns would probably be the, the deciding factor and – I went back and I did a deep dive into um, and actually submitted my preseason all big 12 ballot. And in doing the deep dive, I'm going to leave this. Now I think that Caden Stearns um, will not be a preseason first team, all big 12 uh, player at safety because You've got uh, you got two other guys, um, you know, um, Trevor Mooring from TCU or Trevon Mooring, excuse me, and um, and then Colby Harvell Peel, who we talked about a little bit at the beginning from Oklahoma State, who had five interceptions, led the league in passes defended, and then when you look at what Trevon Mooring did for TCU, he was second in the Big Twelve and passes defended last year and had four interceptions. Caden Stearns didn't have a single 
interception. Now, he led Texas in interceptions with four as a freshman, but he was banged up last year in his sophomore season. It was not his best. He he struggled. Yes. Let's put it that way. Sophomore and, slump was there. And and Taylor, I mean, look, I think Caden Stern's gonna have a big year. He's talented. He can run. He's super smart. He gets the game. It comes quickly and easy to him. He's got to be more physical because he's going to be battling with Chris Brown and BJ Foster. Now look, everyone's like, what do you mean battling? Caden Stearns is the guy. Okay. Well, Chris Brown is the guy that NFL scouts like Mm -hmm. Chris Brown is super physical. He's super smart. He's a big time vocal leader and he brings the wood. I mean, the way the NFL likes it. Mm-hmm. And B.J. Foster is a guy who brings the wood and is a really talented blitzer and was also banged up last year. Hell, Chris Already. Brown broke his forearm yeah. last year. They all were banged up last year. Yeah. <laughs> but do I think Caden Stearns could be an all-Big 12 player at the end of 2020? Yes. Yes. I mean, he's a ball hawk, healthy, all these guys. This is going to be great to watch because Texas has – three super talented safeties, all of whom uh, would be NFL draft eligible after this season. And uh, Chris Brown, cause he's a senior, but um, you know, Caden Stearns, BJ Foster, both juniors and they're all super talented, but the, the first team, all big 12 safeties need to be uh, Trevon Morig from TCU and, and Colby Harvell Peel from Oklahoma State, in my mind. Yeah. Well, I'm obvious. I'm going to stick with what I had said last week. So I didn't think that Caden Stearns probably deserved to be on there. Now, I, you know, I know a lot of people, because the, the preseason All Big 12 team is a media vote. And so I know a lot of media members know the name Caden Stearns. They're expecting him to be a big difference maker as a sophomore. When I vote on these polls, I view it, I, I, I base it off of, not what they might be able to do. I based off what they've already done. And so in my opinion, yeah, I don't think that Caden Stearns would deserve that uh, the first team honor in the preseason all big 12 team, just because he didn't, you know, he was banged up. He really didn't have a good sophomore season. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's not, I'm not saying he was, he's bad. He's obviously a super talented player, but he played hurt. You know, he, um, just didn't look like the same guy that he was as a true freshman. Obviously a lot of that probably had to do with being hurt for a lot of the season. So I don't, I don't think that he would be deserving of the preseason nomination. However, I do. And I I believe I said this last week too. I do believe if he has a season that is a step forward, even from, you know, from his true freshman campaign, I think he'll be gone. He, I think he'll be in the NFL draft. I don't think he, I do not see him returning for his senior year. So I do agree with you saying that, you know, if that does happen, he will be, uh, you know, postseason all Big 12 first team, uh, probably earn that spot. But preseason, I just can't do it. I don't think now, it's fair to the other players. To, to go back to the original question, does that change my love it or leave it for Texas having more than four on the first team all Big 12? Mm-hmm. I'm still going to love that because – I'm putting, I put Deshaun Jameson at first team corner, mm-hmm. uh, along with Sam Cosme, Derek Kerstetter, Joseph Osai, um, and uh, Sam Ellinger. So um, Deshaun Jameson to me 
electric led the team in interceptions last year, had a forced fumble and a uh, fumble recovery and just seemed to make play after play uh, in games. So even though Jalen green is probably the, the guy the NFL looks at, he's a little taller, he's a little longer. Deshaun Jameson played his first year at receiver mm-hmm. and then moved over uh, to corner. But Deshaun Jameson made plays and he made plays when they needed it. And um, for that, I put him at first team corner, uh, first team all big 12. Okay. All right. That's interesting. All right, Chip. So I have one more for you. Um, last week, Reggie Bush, in an interview with the Pat McAfee show, he came out and admitted that when he gave back his Heisman Trophy to the Heisman Trust after his NCAA uh, scandal, which led to USC disassociating itself with him up until now for basically the last decade, uh, he unveiled that the Heisman Trust actually approached Vince Young, who was the runner-up to him in the 2005 Heisman Trophy race, and offered Vince Young the trophy, but Vince Young turned it down. So first of all, that's the story is amazing to hear that it's gone, you know, how, what, 15 years, basically almost 15 years since this is, you know, he won the trophy, I guess been 10 years since he had to give it back. And this has been really under wraps since then. So the fact that they've kept it this secret for this long is impressive, but I'm going to ask you, love it or leave it. Vince Young should have taken Reggie Bush's Heisman. Um, I'm going to leave that. And I give Vince Young a lot of credit. I was there at the Heisman ceremony um, in 2005 and, and Vince Young was crushed mm-hmm. um, because Vince, I've, I'm a Heisman voter. I voted Vince first on my ballot because Vince was unbelievable um, that whole year. If you, if you took Vince Young off Texas, they might've lost a couple games yeah. that year. Um, You take Reggie Bush off of USC, you still have Lendell White, you still have Matt Leinert, you still have Dwayne Jarrett. And to me, it was, it came down to the week before the Heisman votes were in. Reggie had an unbelievable game against Fresno State. Vince had a meh game against Texas A&M where he threw an interception and Texas was sluggish. Still won the game, but it, it, it was close enough. And, and enough voters' minds that it, it came down to the, the week before the ballots were due. And that's unfortunate because the whole body of work kind of got lost for Vince. But kudos to Vince. He didn't get the votes. He wasn't going to get to have the, the ceremony and the speech and have his family there. And for him to take the Heisman because the Heisman Trust um, offered it to him, the Heisman Trust does not acknowledge a Heisman winner in 2005. Right. That's kudos to Vince because I, that night he was crushed. Um, he he answered the questions at the uh, at the pre, you know the post Heisman press conference, and then he went out the back door. He was supposed to talk, you know, to us who traveled to New York, the local reporters. And he couldn't even do that. He was so distraught. Now, of course, they ended up using that as motivation uh, for the national championship game. The rest of the team, the rest of the Texas team used um, his not winning the Heisman as, as motivation. And Vince ended up with the most important thing in his mind, which was the crystal football. So 
um, I'm going to leave the, that, that Vince should have accepted the Heisman. And uh, it's interesting to hear Reggie Bush talk about that now because Reggie was such a jerk um, at the Heisman um, to Vince. Mm -hmm. He just ignored him. And then even in the buildup in LA before the, the uh, championship game at Disneyland, you know, Vince and Leinart really bonded at the Heisman ceremony. Reggie was just aloof and off to himself and just a jerk. He was a diva. A diva. Yeah. It was really like I, it was palpable. Mm -hmm. Like at every press conference, it was just, it was annoying how arrogant Reggie was. And of course, you know, this was all before the, the stuff about um, him, you know, basically having this side deal with Lloyd Lake, the agent who bought his family a $700,000 house and, and, and everything came crashing down, including him, you know, giving back the Heisman. Now to hear Reggie Bush talk, it's, it's like, he's a human being, you know, it's like Vince showed me so much love by, by turning down that Heisman. He showed me love, you know, my, my closest friends didn't even show to me. And, and so kudos to Vince to just stay above the fray the entire time um, and, and not, uh, you know, not, not uh, you know, fall prey to his feelings or his emotions or whatever. He, he stayed strong and, and um, kudos to VY. Yeah. And I agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this one as well. Um, I mean, first of all, you, if you didn't win, you didn't win. You know, you don't want to take the consolation prize. I mean, he already it's got not, the consolation. Not Miss America, right? Yeah, it's like he already got the consolation prize by being the runner-up. So he's already dealt with that. And then if he takes it, I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit for that because that's got to be – and even Reggie Bush, when he was talking about it, he was like, that hadn't to have been an easy situation. I think his you know, quote was something along the lines of like, yeah, yeah, the Heisman, nah, I'm good. I don't need that. Like nobody thinks that way, you know? Um, but it is a huge credit to Vince Young. And also one thing that Reggie Bush brought up was Mac Brown's involvement in that because Vince Young went to Mac after it was off, the Heisman Trust offered him the trophy. And he told Mac, according to Reggie's account of this, that he was planning to turn it down and that Mac Brown totally was on his side, had his full support for that. And that's tough for a coach to even do. I mean. Coaches are judged based off of the biggest awards that not only their teams win, but their players win. And that would have given Mac the second Heisman Trophy during his time at Texas uh, with, you know, Ricky Williams winning the first one in Mac's first season at Texas. So I thought just overall, I thought that was, number one, I thought it's a really cool story and I can't believe it was kept under wraps. But number two, I definitely think that Vince Young did the right thing. I think Mac Brown did the right thing in supporting it. And, you know, in talking about Reggie Bush, Chip, I feel like he's been served such a huge slice of humble pie from this. And you heard him have a totally different demeanor when talking about Vince and Mac too. You know, he gave them such credit for it. So I'm with you. I'm going to leave this one as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny now because, um, you know, VY, we asked VY to come on the flagship podcast and he respectfully declined. <laughs> he, d- he said, I, I don't really need to talk about this anymore. So yeah. um, maybe we try to get uh, Reggie Bush on to talk about it. Maybe, see yeah. how much of a human being he's become. <laughs> Who knows? That's your assignment. 
chip. That's that's my assignment. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Taylor, I think we did it. I think we did a pure football podcast. Woo! This July 4th week, that was our gift to you all. Yes. It was just football fireworks this time. And uh, and I got to say this, Taylor, I finished Breaking Bad. I know I'm the last person to watch it, but wow. Wow, was that good. Yeah. It's a good wow, show. Wow, was that good. Now I need a new, now I need a new uh, television series to binge. I'm not the person to ask about that. I watch reruns all the time, so I'm not the one. Well, if you, our incredible uh, flagship podcast audience, is headed over to write a five-star review for us, you might also just throw in, hey, Chip, you might want to try this uh, series for a, a, you know, for a binge. So we'll take those suggestions, you know, in those uh, five-star reviews. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, Taylor, have a great Fourth um, of July week, as uh, as well as our incredible audience here on the fastest growing uh, Longhorns podcast. Make sure you go over to the Twenty Four Seven Sports YouTube channel and subscribe there, so that you're always getting the video option of our podcast. And of course, um, we love your your five star ratings over on iTunes and your reviews. And uh, of course, we'll give you shout outs. I mean, hello. And uh, until then, everybody have a, a uh, safe and healthy uh, 4th of July weekend. Stay safe and keep the faith. Until next week, uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.